Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. The one and only V, the girl economist, coming to you live on this edition of Hanging with Harley, man who needs no introduction whatsoever. You can find his work over at LaRoucheOrganization.com, the LaRoucheOrganization.com, as well as the SchillerInstitute.com. Harley's a prolific thinker, writer, and activist, somebody who works very closely with governments and, and politicians all throughout the world. And with that being said, Harley, how are you, sir? How's it going? Well, I have to tell you, V, I'm a, a little worn out because I had a lot of work to do the last 24 hours. I figure. know you've been busy ever since we had the cardboard cutout uh, meet with uh, the president of the, free, of the free world, Vladimir Putin. Well, I think somebody did a little bit of reprogramming of the cardboard cutout. And that's what I <laughs> was trying to figure out because, you know, the, he was geared up after the G7 summit and the NATO summit to go in and, and bowl Putin over with uh, – Look, we've got everyone's for us and everyone's against you, and you got to do what we say. And sometime between the end of the NATO summit and the beginning of the summit with Putin, there was a slight shift. And it's nothing yet to say that there's anything redeemable about Biden or that we've moved out of a, a geometry of war. But what's interesting is I don't know if you saw this, the final communique they issued the uh, presidential joint statement on strategic stability had something really interesting in it. it. It states, today we reaffirm the principle that a nuclear war cannot be won and must never be fought. Now, what's so interesting about that? That's the exact formulation that was in the Ronald Reagan, Mikhail Gorbachev communique in November 1985 after their summit in Geneva. And many people will tell you that, that that communication paved the way for a peaceful resolution to the collapse of the Soviet bloc and, and communism. And it's interesting. Now, I don't know if Biden thinks this means Russia is going to collapse, but I think much, much more it means he's aware that there is a danger of a war, which you wouldn't think he was aware of given the, the stupid provocations he was making at the G7 and at the NATO summit. So something happened in between that. And I, I think part of it is that there was a, a military intervention on some level. I think the US military, after seeing what happened in Ukraine back in uh, April, concluded that we don't wanna go to war with Russia over Ukraine. And secondly then, there were some diplomats who pointed out that the French, the Germans, and the Italians are not all in on the war against China. So this idea that we have a unified rules-based order taking on the bad guys uh, turned out not to be true. 
And so I think the brakes were put on just a little bit, but enough to make a difference. And you'd never know that from the mainstream media because they don't report any of this. No, they, they don't report any of that whatsoever. And, and you know, what they do is, is they highlight some of the most inflammatory questions asked, uh, very provocative, very inflammatory questions. All of these idiots that are from the U.S. are all devoid of any sort of real geo- geostrategic understanding. They're, they're geopolitical neophytes. They, they know nothing of what they're asking. And it was infuriating to, for me to even watch that and listen to the recap. You know, at, at some point and at some core, exceptional Stan has to know that it's lost, Harley. I mean, what is left? I mean, the, 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 there, there is no policy. And literally what, 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 what people in the United States are asking, not people, but, but the, the leaders, the plutocrats, the kleptocrats that are in the United States is asking right now their European vassals is come join us in this green death as we swirl the toilet bowl of Build Back Better. Well, be the cannon fodder for us to take on Russia. Yeah, it's insanity because only a kleptocrat will say, you know, only a kleptocrat, Harley, would say, hmm, maybe if we engage in a nuclear war with Russia, if, 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 a, if they wipe out the state of New York and the state of Los Angeles, or, you know, they wipe out New York City and Los Angeles and a couple other key areas, they wiped it out. Uh, exactly how many years would it take where that area could be livable again? Hmm. That's what they're looking for. These people are sick. Here's the other thing. Very interesting uh, development over the last weekend in Switzerland. There was a referendum that the was put on the ballot in favor of very strict measures of CO2 control. And then a second referendum calling for banning virtually all pesticides and fertilizer use. This is part of the EU green policy. Sure. And the Swiss voters voted them both down. Yeah. They voted against the CO2 strict standards and they voted against the uh, elimination of pesticides and fertilizer. Which will lead now, to global famine. Well, there was a mobilization of farmers saying, if you support these resolutions, you're not gonna have food. The food you have will be expensive. You're gonna have higher taxes and uh, higher energy prices. And the people of Switzerland responded. Now, at the same time, you have this uh, fake candidate for the Green Party in Germany, uh, Anna-Luisa Baerbach. Uh, Another genius, another genius. Well, she was polling close to 30% after the hype from the Atlantic Council, from uh, the British press and, and the British mouthpieces in Germany. But in the last two weeks, she's fallen 10% down to 20%. And there was an election in the state of Sachsen-Anhalt, which is in Eastern Germany, which tends to be anti-green. But the Green Party only got 2% in Sachsen-Anhalt. And the CDU, the Conservative Party, went up 6%. And people were saying, well, how could this happen? Well, what's happening is the more they're hearing about the Green New Deal and the carbon policy, the more people are saying, you know, who are these idiots? What do they think they're going to do? How are we supposed to live if we have no electricity and we have no food? So I think there are a lot of things that are happening now that are undercutting the narrative. And you had on the other side, you had Boris Johnson uh, embracing Biden. You know, here's Boris Johnson, who was presenting himself as the Trump figure of Great Britain. 
And as yeah. soon as Trump is gone, what does he do? He embraces Biden. He, he becomes he becomes the next Tony Blair. Yeah, yeah. Well, he needs a sex change for that, I think. <laughs> but then then you have what does he do? He takes Biden over to have dinner with the Queen, tea with the Queen. You know, the the special relationship is back, and. You know, it turns out that the Germans and the French were not so impressed with all that. The, the French are still asking, when are you going to finalize the Brexit deal with us? And the Germans are very concerned about what's going to happen with the Nord Stream 2. So one of the things I put together, I was looking at what else might have changed over the, the recent period in terms of U.S. relations with Europe, with Russia. And here's something interesting. On May 19th, and this is after the, the the Ukraine situation became a little toned down. You know, after the uh, accusations that Russia was about to invade Ukraine, there was going to be a war in Donetsk, and uh, Zelensky was going to ride in on a horse and take back Crimea. After that cooled, Lavrov and Blinken had a meeting in Reykjavik. Now, Lavrov is is a really cool character. He, he's even more cool than Putin in terms of being a diplomat. Big time. And what, what Lavrov basically said to Blinken is, look, let's not go down this road. This is not going to get us anywhere. And they came out of the meeting saying, okay, things are looking good for the summit. Now, what made it look good? It was that afternoon that the Biden administration waived the sanctions on the lead company behind Nord Stream 2 and the CEO of the company. Now, they didn't, they're not trying to that they didn't take off all sanctions on Nord Stream 2, and they still want to cancel it. But they knew going into the summit, if they did it, it would be problems with Germany and problems with other NATO countries that are negotiating this deal. So the Russian Deputy Foreign Minister Yabkov said, well, it looks as though the United States is a little bit more coming to its senses. So... You know, I, I think there are a lot of things going on that we never see because what we see, get to see is the mainstream media, which is a Johnny One note on this. Russia and China, bad, rules-based order, good. So then, then the, the other factor is here's Biden going in talking about how the U.S. is going to compete with the Belt and Road Initiative. Oh, yeah. They can't even <laughs> scrape together two nickels. Bro, they can't even build a windmill for their proposed Green New Deal. <laughs> Well, they have to buy the windmills from China. Yeah, we're going to compete. You know, they have to know. And this is the thing, Harley. This is how I know it's it's almost over. The kibosh is about to be put on this. It's almost over. Because what we're witnessing here with the Green New Steel, and what we're witnessing here with Build Back Better versus the Belt and Road, it's the last-ditch greatest wealth extraction and money heist we have ever seen they're trying to get their licks in. They're trying to fortify and shore themselves up really good before the entire Western uh, economic systems collapse. Oh, and what are they offering to countries that are lining up to make deals? Just with money. They're, well, they're not even offering. They're not offering money. They're offering carbon offset credits. Oh God, it's even worse than that. Yeah. Jesus. So worse than I thought, Harley. They're saying to African countries. If you leave your land idle, you'll get some money. Now, how are they going to feed their people? If they don't have coal plants and nuclear plants and, and uh, advanced uh, electricity. Well, they can keep themselves warm with hyperinflated dollars. That's what they could do. 
Well, 90, I'm sorry, 50% of sub-Saharan Africa has no electricity. And if you say to them, no, you can't have a Chinese built coal plant, what are they gonna do? They're gonna cut down wood, cut down trees to, for fire, for, for uh, power. Now, doesn't that go against the whole carbon uh, narrative? So when Mark Carney comes and says, we're gonna give you these, the benefit of carbon offsets, the Africans are saying, but we want power. Chinese are going to build nuclear plants. What are you going to do for us? Here's some carbon offsets. Well, what is that? Uh, it's just money if you don't do anything. Just, you know, yeah. plant more trees. Here you go. And, and in the meantime, who benefits from it? The global corporations. City of London Corporation, Wall Street, and their lackeys. Companies like BlackRock. Yep. Which is trying to buy up everything they can. Yeah. So... You know, the, the U.S. went into these two summits, the G7 summit and the NATO summit, thinking they had a slam dunk, that everyone was going to line up behind them, that it was clear that they're prepared to take on the bad guys, Russia and China. And then when he meets with Putin, Putin will be quaking in his boots trying to get a deal because Putin wants to be recognized. And then the Siberian but, tiger comes out. <laughs> well, Putin doesn't need to be recognized by the U.S. media. No. He's someone who actually knows who he is. Yep. Unlike Biden, who sometimes has trouble finding himself in a mirror. So, <laughs> you know, what, what Putin said is, you know, this idea that we're doing the cyber attacks, where's the evidence? Show us the evidence. And he said, we know that most of these cyber attacks emanate from the United States. We'll help you find them. Yeah. And, and you know, the funny thing is, did you hear the report that one of the reporters was asking Putin this idiot reporter who thinks they're so smart, they're asking, uh, well, how many, you know, all the cyber attacks from Russia? And then Putin says, listen, from the, from the, from the Russian cybersphere, there were six attacks that came from here. Actually, three. In the last year, three originated from the cyberspace of Russia. Over 57 or something like that originated from the cyberspace of the United States. Yeah. And we've offered to work together with the United States to get to the bottom of it. They didn't want to. They asked us where our cyberspace thing came from, our attacks, and we pinpointed it. We gave them all the data, whatever they needed. But when we ask in return for the same type of cooperation, the answer is always no. Yep. Folks, because it, the, the cyber attacks, the number one hacker in the world, the, one, the number one cyber criminal, the number one terrorist, the number one threat to global peace in the, in, in the entire planet is the United States, period. It's exceptional, Stan. That's the problem. Well, and, and it's not working very well, but here's partly why. One of the funniest parts of the whole summit, the G7 summit, was when Boris Johnson was outlining why the Build Back Better World policy is so much better than the Chinese. And he said, on top of everything else, our infrastructure will be gender neutral. Now, what? I'm sure the Chinese. Well, I'm, I'm sure the people in the East. <laughs> where it's still patriarchal, where men are still men, and their testosterone levels are much higher than the Euro weenies and these and the brain dead moron called the cardboard cutout. I'm sure they're gonna they're gonna love that idea, gender neutral. <laughs> well, uh, what what's important is it's it's a completely meaningless concept which is designed to fit in with the politically correct insanity. But here's another one. While they were there having lunch with the Queen. Uh, I think the Daily Mail came out with an article 
defining apple pie as racist. It is racist. Yes. Well, you know why it's racist? It's linked to an ongoing genocide of indigenous peoples. So next time you have an apple pie, you have to realize that indigenous peoples were killed for you to have that apple pie. I'll enjoy it all the more. I'll have mine a la mode with a with a scoop of delicious <laughs> racist vanilla ice cream on top, Harley. Well, because it's from sugar from sugar plantations. Yes, yes. Yes, that's so, racist. So, you know, we've got this completely absurd woke culture which has this arrogance that that we're on top of everything. And the fact is that with all the money, all the efforts, all the technology, they put together a couple of summits, which really, here, here, well, actually, here's the other figure that's interesting. Uh, when the G7 was started, I think it was about 28 years ago or something like that. Yeah, about 30 years. The, the seven countries possessed or produced something like 80% of world GDP. Now it's 30%. And the G7 countries make up a little more than 10% of the world's population. Yep. So and they're falling fast. The 30 Now if you cut if you cut out the the accounting gymnastics and all the fictitious economic numbers coming out from the insolvent 7, it, they're not even 10% of GDP. I mean <laughs> well, they're not even the, 30% of GDP, excuse me. The Chinese were asked the Chinese embassy in London was asked to comment on this idea of the rules-based order. And they said the days when a few countries can dictate policies to the world are long gone. Now, that's something that if you live in the United States, you don't appreciate, you don't know about. But there are some people in Europe, uh, including you know, someone like Macron is clever. He's not a good person, but he's clever enough to know that the French have done some of these calculations and, and are aware that the French military isn't what it used to be under de Gaulle. The German military is the classic example of when they parade the, the when they police the parade grounds, they lose the battle to the cigarette butts. Yep. You know, so you don't have the kind of power that, that uh, is being projected. And that's why the U.S. military figures, the, the, the leading officers, are go- stampeding the Congress saying, we need money, we need funds, we need upgrade of nuclear weapons, we need to have some new platform to operate from in Asia, because otherwise we're going to get our butts kicked by the Chinese over Taiwan. So you put all that together, and this goes back you know, to the whole idea of the U.S. as a paper tiger. Now, why are we a paper tiger? Because we've destroyed our science and technology, because we've destroyed our workforce, we've outsourced our industry, and we've made the uh, finance, insurance, real estate sector the strong sectors of the U.S. economy. The fire economy. We didn't light the fire. It was always burning since the world's been turning. Black Rock, State Street, CNN is beating meat. (laughs) Yes, that's what it is. And I'm, I'm going to get together with one of our listeners, Crypto Cowboy. We're going to have the whole thing written, and we will play it live here. We didn't start the fire, as in the fire economy, finance, insurance, and real estate. Go ahead, Harley. Yeah. Well, I, I look forward to hearing that. Uh, it's going to be epic. It's going to be an epic montage. I think you'll enjoy it. Now, V, there, there's one other comment that was reported, and it was leaked I probably by Lavrov. But it, when Biden was lecturing... Putin about the aggression toward Ukraine. 
Putin said, well, you know, we were carrying out our exercises inside Russia. Um, we had Russian troops mobilizing inside Russia. With Europe Defender 21, you have American troops in the Baltic states, in the former Eastern European states, uh, and, and you're talking about incorporating Ukraine. That's a little bit different. We're just carrying out exercises. We're not sure what you're doing. Yeah, exactly and correct. Apparently, uh, that's when Blinken had to jump in and, and say, well, you weren't transparent about it. And Putin said, well, the whole point of these exercises is to test whether we can mobilize a snap uh, exercise as opposed to telling everyone what we're going to do. And so, you, know what, you know what scared the hell out of them is the fact that the Russians were able to mobilize such a large, powerful, and formidable force so quickly that it would have yeah. taken the U.S. months to, to even get a force that you know of that size together. It would take them months. Well, and, and the British would have had to go to a yard sale to buy surplus NATO equipment to mobilize to do something like that. Yep. <laughs> so it's, I mean, I... They're going to be they're going to be dusting it, off M4 Sherman tanks from World War II, Harley. I mean, it's it's not to gloat, but to make a point, which is that in the United States and in, in Western Europe, there's an arrogance, which you know, look, Russia still in many ways is a, a poorer country than Western countries. It has a large section of the population that has not yet achieved what we consider a middle class life. But they're moving in that direction, and they're doing it in the right way, as is China. Oh, yeah. We're doing it in the opposite. We're getting rid of our middle class. We're getting rid of our values of production. And we're adopting the profile of a post-industrial empire that has a short shelf life. And you don't realize that if you're in the U.S. and all you see is the U.S. media. Now, look, the Western European media isn't much better. But even, uh, uh, what is it, uh, Der Spiegel or Die Zeit or uh, some of the German papers, which in the past have always been CIA leak sheets, are beginning to cover some of these developments. Uh, for example, there's now coverage in the German media that, that uh, Deutsche Bank is essentially a, a bankrupt uh, shell. Has been for decades, yeah. But mm -hmm. you never knew that from the German media until recently. So I, I think that the, the, it's hard to cover these things up, especially if you really are serious about engaging in warfare. And the United States showed that we could mobilize quickly in Iraq, uh, the Afghan war, but we didn't show that we had the capability of winning a war, short of totally destroying a country, which we almost did. Now, that's the problem that you have to address. Whereas what the Russians did very effectively, working with Syria and also to some extent with the Revolutionary Guard in Iran, is they did a pretty effective job of defeating what was a CI trained and Saudi, Turkey, UAE, US armed force of jihadists. And the reason they succeeded is the Syrian people, given the choice of Assad, or al-Qaeda or al-Nusra chose Assad. And that's a hard truth for American military people and American uh, neocons to accept. In fact, they don't accept it, but that's reality. Yeah, exactly. Very well said. Harley, what else is on your radar? 
Well, uh, a week from this weekend, that's uh, Saturday the 26th and Sunday the 27th, we'll be having a two-day Schiller Institute conference, online conference. Uh, I'll be participating in the first panel, which is the strategic panel, and then I'll be moderating the third panel, which is Sunday morning. So Saturday morning and then Sunday morning, I think 9 o'clock Saturday Eastern time and 10 o'clock Sunday Eastern time. We'll be taking up the kinds of questions that, that your viewers and listeners are interested in. What's happening with the, the world strategically? How do we avoid a war? How do we get some kind of sanity back in strategic policy? And then the Sunday one will be very interesting. What are we going to do about this hyperinflation? What are we going to do about the collapse of supply chains? But Jay Powell told us it's only 2%, Harley. Well, you know, the idea of a short-term hyperinflation, uh, it's sort of like what, what people say when it's going to be a short-term pregnancy. Yeah. So, you know, Jay Powell... I, I'm not, I think he's in the, the fine tradition of people like Greenspan who uh, don't really know what they're talking about. Well, actually, Greenspan didn't know what he's talking about. I think Powell does. I think he's just covering up what he knows. Yep, absolutely. Very well said. So anyway, I if people are interested, hopefully we can work something out so we can get something live streamed with CJ over there yes. at, at Rogue. And, uh, but I'd like to invite people to go to the SchillerInstitute.com website and, and register, especially if you'd like to participate in the discussion. Absolutely. Very it's well all, said. I'm sorry, go ahead, Harley. It's all free. Perfect. Yeah, we will definitely try to set something up. Absolutely. Harley, thank you so much for joining us. I know you've had a very, very busy schedule, especially hot on the heels of the Latest, uh, not only the G7, uh, the Last Supper. That's that's the the image when I see those idiots standing around on their stupid table is the image of the Last Supper. <laughs> you know, the Chinese actually had a cartoon. Yes, they did. Yes, they yeah. did. That's why I mentioned it. The Chinese media actually put it out. The Last Supper. <laughs> yeah. Only none of them are going to heaven. No, they're let me. They rot and burn in hell, bastards. <laughs> Jesus. All right, VC, see you next Thank week. Thank you, Harley. Take care. Cheers. Thank you all for listening in. And again, go check out SchillerInstitute.com as well as the LaRouche Organization.com. With that being said, CJ, take it away.